Today is a special day in our nation. It's Memorial Day, a day we remember and honor those who made the ultimate sacrifice in service to our country. I'm Virginia Allen, and today it's Memorial Day, and I'm honored to be sitting down with a veteran who is dedicating his time to serve other veterans, coming alongside them to prevent veteran suicide. Jim Lorraine is an Air Force combat veteran. He served as the founding director of the United States Special Operations Command Care Coalition and as special assistant for warrior and family support to the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And today, Jim is president of America's Warrior Partnership. Jim, thanks for being with us today. Virginia, thank you for having us. I really appreciate it. Well, Jim, you are a veteran. And first, I just want to thank you for your service. How long did you serve? Uh, I served 22 years, a um, couple of years in the reserves, and then the rest of my time in active duty, and all both in the Air Force. Um, yeah, as a, I was an Air Force Nurse Corps officer. Wow, wow. So I'm a nurse by trade. <laughs> <laughs> and during your, your time in the Air Force, uh, where all were you stationed? I started out in Biloxi, Mississippi, so they took this kid out of central New York um, who'd never been south of uh, Washington, D.C., and um, sent me to Biloxi, Mississippi, and I spent a few years there, and then I went to uh, from there to Frankfurt, Germany, and uh, had a, one of the best assignments of my life. I flew aeromedical evacuation mm-hmm. um, all around the all around uh, Europe, uh, North Africa, the Middle East, and, uh, and Eastern Europe, and then... Um, uh, from there, I went to another unit that flew uh, aeromedical evacuation, flew patients out of combat zones. I ended up, wow. it was based out of Pope Air Force Base. I ended up in Mogadishu, um, uh, Haiti, Desert Shield Storm, um, lots of things, lots of deployments. Um, and then from there, I, I, I uh, went to uh, run aeromedical evacuation for the around the country, around the world, and uh Lived in St. Louis, Illinois. From there, I went to uh, to the Pentagon. I served as a fellow to the chairman of the Joint Staff, and then my final assignment was as uh, I, I finished it as a deputy commander, deputy surgeon at United States Special Operations Command down at SOCOM, and uh, had the pleasure of working for uh, the best forces in the United States military: the mm-hmm. Army, Navy, Air Force, Marine Corps, Special Operations. Mm-hmm. Uh, folks, yeah, had a, had a wonderful time, and and then from there I, I I left. And you mentioned about the Care Coalition. That was a civilian. I had le- I retired from active duty, and I and I uh, was hired immediately back um, to found a program that advocated for all wounded, ill, or injured special operations people uh, forces for life. And um, we did a, a great job. Um, and it really is the the model for what we do at America's Warrior Partnership. Wow. Well, tell us a little bit about the work of America's Warrior Partnership, how you got involved with them, and, and what your mission is. Yeah, so uh, so when I left Special Operations Command, my, my wife, who is who was also active duty, um, she, uh, she retired and uh, said, hey, I'm moving home to Aiken, South Carolina, which is right next to Augusta, Georgia. And um, she said, come on up. We'll uh, change. We'll have a new life, and uh, so I left uh, left McDill Air Force Base in Tampa, Florida, moved to Aiken, South Carolina, stood up a local program, took over a local program 
in Augusta, Georgia. One of the big highlights for that program is that we used what we had learned. I had learned at SOCOM to toward uh, veteran homelessness. And in Augusta, Georgia, at the time, we had 159 homeless veterans. And with our team and and some great partners, um, in 18 months, the number came down to seven. And it mm. and what it showed me was what what we did in the military, we could do in the civilian world, which was the basis was go find and build a relationship with the veterans, understand who they are and where they want to go in their in their life in the future, connect them to all the resources that were available to them, and then and then stay with them on that journey. Just don't give them, just don't help them with housing and then break contact. Yeah, help them with housing, and then say, okay, what's next? Let's get you into school. Let's get you into job. Let's get you into training, and then stay with them. And and I will tell you that. Um, that that model, while it doesn't uh, have a fast return, um, what you find is that it has a, really effective, hmm. it's really effective. Hmm. And so we've America's Warrior Partnership uses that model as four steps. It's called connect. So connect with the veteran and connect with the community, educate the veteran and educate the community, advocate for the veteran, and then collaborate with everyone. That those four steps we've used to replicate our model in nine communities throughout the United States. And that's our local work. On the national level, uh, what we do, on the national level, we have a program called The Network. And what The Network does is it works with communities and veterans um, to bring national resources to them. So if I have a community, one of our communities is the Navajo Nation of Arizona. If 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 I have a veteran in the Navajo Nation and they need help, and it's not available within their community, then what we do is we reach back to our our nonprofit partners and our government partners, and we make sure that we uh, we we bring that services to them. And you know, one of our big partners, and you may know, you probably know the name of Gary Sinise, but the Gary Sinise Foundation um, works very closely with us. Wounded Warrior Project works very closely with us. We do we do really. Our focus is to bring those resources together. And last year, we did about 5,000 cases, and they're usually the toughest that you have. And we have a 92% success rate in solving the problem. And and what we are, what the network is, it's called the America's Warrior Partnership Network. What the network is, it's really, it's the one call that a veteran can make, no matter who they are, where they live, and get help. And they can contact us through our website. And again, we have a high, really high success rate because what we're doing is understanding who the veteran is and what they need and then connecting them to that resource and making sure that they get it. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. Jim, help us understand, because I I think for those who haven't served, they might not quite understand what the adjustment is like back to civilian life. For, For those military members who... Who uh, who leave? Who retire? What is that process like? And what are the challenges that most commonly our veterans face when they are trying to readjust to civilian life? Yeah, well, that's a that's a great great question because we hear it a lot. Like say, people say, well, what's the big deal about moving from one job to another job? But what you have to understand when you move from the military into the back into the civilian world. You're really not just changing a job; you're changing a culture, and so you're moving from one culture into another culture that you really don't understand. And one of the things that uh, when I transitioned, my biggest struggle 
was knowing who to trust. And I'll say the reason. I'll give you an example. When I was in the military and I walked into a room, every and the room was full of people in the in uniform. I knew everything about them just by the uniform they wore. Mm. Then now flash into the civilian world and I walk into a room, and everybody's wearing civilian clothes. There's no markings. There's really you don't know who is who, and you don't know anything. About, you have to. You literally have to learn to talk to other people. Wow. And uh, that was one of the things for me was, holy cow, I, I'm not sure who the, who is or surrounded me. And um, who can I trust? Who can I trust? Who's going to deliver? In the military, one of the things that I always loved was that we were all in it together and we were focused on on, on the mission. And, um, and, and you knew everyone was moving that direction. Um, the civilian world isn't quite that way. And, and it's, it's a, as I said, it's a cultural change that happens, not just a job change. Mm, yeah. That, I mean, does that, that make, it does. It makes sense. I, I'd never thought about that with the uniforms that it, that is <laughs> it's very different yeah. from civilian life. I mean, you're, you're working off of, uh, you know, maybe, maybe suits and casual clothes when you walk into to our room in America, but uh, or in civilian life, but uh, very, very different, obviously, in the military. Now, you all have, you've worked with so many veterans, I know, over the years. Uh, are there maybe one or two stories of folks that you'd be willing to share with us, of, of veterans who have reached out to you all, reached out to your organization, asked for help, and America's Warrior Partnership has been able to really help those individuals in their time of need? Yeah, yeah I, I'll tell you one. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll just use her first name, Virginia. Virginia had served in Desert Shield Storm. Um, she was a, a, an Army logistics uh, NCO, um, had gotten out of the military, um, was working as a nurse's assistant, and, um, and she, but she didn't have health care. And she got sick. And, uh, and she, she got sick, big medical bills. She lost her, uh, lost her house. Uh, she was living in her car and struggling, and um, she didn't realize that she was eligible for VA to, VA healthcare benefits. And that's not surprising. About 40% of the women in the United women, female veterans don't consider themselves veterans. That's why it's important we we advocate uh, to the partners that we have to to not ask if you were a veteran, but ask if you served in the military. And so, so with Virginia, she didn't realize that she was eligible for VA healthcare. And so what happened was she was living in her car. She came to us and said, I, I don't want to do this. I can't continue to live in my car. I'm homeless. I'd like to, I'd like to get out. Um, and what we did was we, we worked with Virginia. We got her enrolled in the VA so she could continue her health care at no cost. We got her into a temporary housing. We, we moved her into a training. She had to get recertified. In her, she wanted to stay in the healthcare world. Um, got her retrained. Got her certified. Got her, kept her in her apartment. Um, she moved on. She got her degree. Uh, she got a better job. She used her VA home loan and bought her own house. Wow. And that was over about a three-year period. Huge success. Another another story that I'll tell you that is that I'll give you an example. We work with companies, um, and so what companies do, there's a lot of companies have employee assistance programs that provide mental health care and other services to to their employees, but they're not specialized in VA issues. So we work with companies to work with their veterans to bring 
VA services and VA benefits that they've earned to them that, that can enhance their quality of life. I was at a company out in Oklahoma City, and I met and I was meeting with a manager, and I was meeting with a group of, of uh, former service members, and, um, and, and the manager pointed out this one, one young man and as it, one of his stellar employees and really happy to have him. An hour later, I was, I was waiting for my lift to come pick me up, and the, and the young man came out, and he said, hey, Mr. Lorraine, can I, can I talk to you a little bit? I'm homeless. And I said, what? I said, does your leadership know? He goes, I don't want them to know because I'm afraid they'll let me go. Mm-hmm. But I'm homeless. And can you help me? So this was, this was at like noon. I, I listened to the gentleman, to the young man, uh, had gone through a, uh, a divorce, had, was financially strapped. He was living in his car. He'd go to the gym in the morning, work out, take a shower, go to work, work 12-hour shift, go back to the gym, shower up, and then get, go and sleep in his car. Wow. Um, he'd been trying for six months to get uh, to use to get housing through VA services. By four o'clock that afternoon, we had him housed. Mm. We wow. had him housed. He kept his job. He continued to move forward. He didn't realize all the, that he had was as eligible for uh, VA education benefits as he was. We got him connected to that work with the school to get him admitted ahead of the, even in between the semester cycle so that he could start uh, benefiting from it. Um, this young man, uh, eight months later, he called and he said, hey, could you talk to my manager? Um, he doesn't believe me that I was homeless. Wow. And I talked to his manager and I said he was homeless. And he said, the manager said, I don't know what we would ever do without you guys. And I said, it's not us. It's the, this young man knew what he wanted to do, knew where he wanted to go, but just didn't know how to navigate the system. And I'll give him credit for coming up to me and saying, can you help? And I think that's the biggest barrier that our veterans have is that we don't seek help until until we're in crisis. And that's why it's so important to build a relationship ahead of the crisis. And that that goes to suicide prevention for us. Yeah. Yeah, our belief is that veterans who have are hopeful and see a future aren't likely to take their life, are less likely to take their life, I should say. Yeah. And that's what we have to do. We have to work to build a relationship. I don't, I don't know if you know this, but the VA, there's, there's about 17 and a half million veterans in the United States. Hmm. The VA serves about 9 million. So there's, there's another 8 million out there who aren't involved with anything veteran. Hmm. They've earned all these services. They just don't, either they don't think they're eligible, like female veterans, or they don't know how to navigate the system. And that's what we're here to try to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's so critical. It's filling a, a need that is so apparent and so obvious and makes so much sense. And, you know, like you said, that that need for connection, I, I really appreciate, I think, the holistic approach mm-hmm. that, that you all have taken. And I think that commitment to time, because that that's a huge commitment to say we're going to we're going to take the time to build a relationship with these folks to, to connect with them deeply. Then we'll move into the education and the really getting them the help that they need. But taking that time to build the relationship is key because you know, I know so much of the work that you all do centers around that prevention of, of suicide. Um, as, as you know, there's a Brown University study that found that over 30,000 veterans have died by suicide 
since 2001. That's more than the number that uh, have died in combat. For for those uh, families who who have lost loved ones, who've who've lost those who have served, whether by suicide or serving uh, our nation in combat. Do you all do work to come alongside and, and support those families and, and give them tools and, and resources? Yeah, yes, absolutely. And, our, and this weekend, my thoughts, prayers go out to all those families. You know, I have many friends who, who've died, who died in combat and, and tragically more that have died since we left Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. Um, sadly, <laughs> poorly, um, a few, you know, a couple of years ago. And, and it's gotten worse. And um, and I I just it doesn't change for these families. Yeah. It doesn't change. It doesn't matter when you when they lost their loved one. They lost their loved one. And so there are a lot of resources that we use. Um, I think for surviving families, our biggest partner is is a program called Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors, led by my good friend Bonnie Carroll. And Taps has been there. She's a survivor herself. Um, her her husband was killed in a plane. Uh, crash up in Alaska, and she realized there were there was no services for no programs that helped survivors, and so she created it. And it's it is the program for those who are affiliated with the military to go to. So we we use that for the families. We also use a program that's run by the Red Cross. It's the Military Veteran Caregiver Network. Um, they're great programs. Now, what I'm saying to you, Elizabeth, is that. America's Warrior Partnership. We're focused on the relationship and understanding the problem, but we stay out of we stay out of doing what somebody else does really well, and so we use partners extensively. There's no need to replicate what's already existing, mm. and um, and TAPS and the Military Veteran Caregivers Network are the best in their in their class. And you know, and I just want to, if I can, I can want to mm. talk about that Brown study, which I did read, and. And um, I, I applaud them for doing the work. We do. We have a similar study called Operation Deep Dive. Um, Operation Deep Dive. Our focus for Operation Deep Dive is to understand who the veteran is um, that's going to take their life based on the community where they live, so that we can move from fishing for those who are going to take their lives to hunting for them. And what I mean by that is, we want to know who the person is. Uh, like I said, I'm in Hyannis, uh, Massachusetts, right now. We, I want to know the veteran in this in the Cape Cod region who's most likely to take their life. What was their service like? What was their, what's their age? How long have they been out? How long did they serve? And then I want to build a relationship with them before the crisis occurs. Yeah. And it's being pro, proactive and getting ahead of the crisis. And our Operation Deep Dive does that. The thing about the, the Brown study is with Operation Deep Dive, we did some work um, and we released an interim report in September of last year. And when we compared the VA's numbers and, uh, and, and information about the states and the same states that we were studying, which were eight states, um, what we found was that, that we, our numbers were 35% higher than what the VA had mm. on their numbers. Wow. And, what, and it wasn't the VA. What happens in the community around death certificates is that there's no way for foreigners or medical examiners to really confirm whether somebody served in the military or not. Mm. What ends up happening is they don't mark it on the death certificate. And if it doesn't get marked on the death certificate, it doesn't feed up to higher reports. Mm-hmm. We we took the death information from the state and shared uh, and merged data from the Department of Defense 
to confirm who actually served in the military and who didn't. And um, and one of I, and so sadly, very sadly, I think Duke, I think the the were numbers reported by uh, Brown are are very low, are probably low. Mm, wow, wow. You buy about seven thousand. Oh wow. So yeah. I mean, it and as you're talking. I know for for myself, and I'm sure for so many listening, the response is, wow, this is such a clear issue, and I feel, as as a citizen, uh, a little bit overwhelmed by it, and almost uh, just the the question arises, well, what can I do? Are there ways that that you would suggest the American people um, can really get involved, can serve our veterans, and how can we partner with with America's warrior partnership? So I, I think the number one uh, thing I would say to those, to your listeners is um, no, go to America's warrior partnership.org, our website um, and read about the network, understand it. If you have a neighbor or if you have somebody who lives in your block, or if you have somebody who lives in your building or it's a friend who served in the military and, and you don't think that they're doing very well, number one, do something. Just don't let it go. Say something and say, hey, you don't seem the same. Are you doing okay? And and if they're struggling with things, the neighbor doesn't have to fix it. They can say, hey, there's an organization that can help you. Mm. And it's America's Warrior Partnership. That's the number one thing. Um, number two, but that number two, but it goes along with that is if you know a veteran, just reach out to him and say, hey, how are you doing? Don't say happy Memorial Day. It's happy Veterans Day. Memorial Day is, hey, I'm thinking of you on Memorial Day. Yeah. And, um, and uh, you know, I, 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 <laughs> I learned this lesson when, uh, when, I, when uh, I was standing up, my first chairman of my board, wonderful man. I had worked for him for about two years. And, it was, and then after two years of working with him, he subtly said, you know, I served in the Air Force. I had no idea. Wow. I should have asked him. I should have been aware, but I wasn't. But the, the point is, is that there's people around you who have served in the military, especially Vietnam era veterans who didn't have a good reception when they came home. And now's the time to give them a good reception when they came home and make sure that they're taken care of, too. Yeah. Jim yeah. Lorraine, I so appreciate your time today and encourage all of our listeners. Check out America's Warrior Partnership and the work that Jim and his team are, are doing We really appreciate uh, your time today. And again, thank you for your service and the way that you are continuing to serve our veterans. Virginia, thank you. I want to give a shout out. We're, we're, I'm again, I'm in Hyannis, but I'm here because there's a race called Fagawi and we have a number of boats that have veterans on them. And it's a time where we all come together. And uh, I want to thank Fagawi. I want to thank my, my boats, the Valkyrie and Defender and uh, all my buddies who are out here sailing this weekend to uh, remember our our lost ones. That's powerful. Jim Lorraine, president of America's Warrior Partnership. Jim, thank you again. You bet. Thank you. All right. Well, we are going to leave it there for today. Again, invite all of our listeners to check out the work of America's Warrior Partnership by visiting their website, America's, with an S, warriorpartnership.org. But thank you so much for joining us on this Memorial Day. And if you haven't had the chance to leave us a rating and review, we encourage all of our listeners to do so. We love hearing your feedback. 
We will not have a top news edition this afternoon. We'll be back with top news tomorrow, but we hope that you all have a wonderful Memorial Day and take a minute today to to call a veteran you know, to check in on them, see how they're doing, to thank them for their service. And if you know family members who have lost loved ones serving our nation uh, or tragically to suicide after their service, reach out to them today. Let them know that you are thinking of them. Thanks for joining us here on the Daily Signal podcast. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. Executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen and Samantha Asheris. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. To learn more, please visit DailySignal.com.